0: Okay, Joe Applebaum, are you okay with being recorded on a podcast? I am. Well, there goes that liability. This is I Took a Hike. I'm your host, Darren Mass, founder of Business Therapy Group and part-time wilderness philosopher. Here we step out of the boardrooms and home offices and into the great outdoors, where the hustle of entrepreneurship meets the rustle of nature. In this episode, we talk about passion and purpose and drive, fortitude, with the guru of LinkedIn creation himself. Joe Applebaum. Our topics include 1,000 to 1 million, supporting your community, reaching for your potential, and upping your social game with plenty of tips and tricks. This episode was remarkably inspirational when I took a hike with Joe Applebaum. This episode is proudly brought to you by Brand Built, a dynamic social media networking community designed to elevate your success. Feeling stuck in a brand loop? Your brand matters more than ever before, and falling behind is not an option. Join our dynamic community for expert social media guidance, valuable lessons, education, weekly spotlights, monthly speakers, and a robust brand building network. Explore more at mybrandbuilt.com and join me in the chat for a thriving journey to success. So Joe, would it be fair to say that you are one of the OG LinkedIn influencers?
1: Well, when, when you think of the word influencer and LinkedIn influencer specifically, people think that an influencer means somebody that likes going viral and that has millions of followers. When it comes to like doing real business on LinkedIn, Being an influencer is about having a community that you influence. And it's not so much about having millions of followers, but about having the right strategy. Because even if you have very few views, but you have the right views, that can translate into business. So if your goal is doing business and influencing the right people, then LinkedIn's a great platform to be an influencer like that. And it doesn't really take much. You know, one of the the things I always tell people, is the reason I love LinkedIn so much is because with LinkedIn, you're able to add many followers by just adding connections. And you know how easy it is to add a connection. Yeah. I've been teaching LinkedIn for a decade, but I haven't formally taught it like in a course platform till the pandemic started. That's kind of like when I got started with that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would say that I've been, I've been tinkering with LinkedIn for over 10 years, teaching it, showing people how to use it it really changed a lot in the past 5 years because Microsoft paid 26.2 billion dollars for LinkedIn. That's it. That's it. Just Small, round yeah. The guy. yeah, people are like, "Oh, should I take LinkedIn seriously?" I was like, "If Microsoft is taking <laughs> LinkedIn seriously, <laughs> one of should. the biggest companies in the world, then you might want to consider looking into why they invested so much money into LinkedIn." Yep. So that's the thought process. What is your number one tip? So what's your plan? what do you want to achieve with LinkedIn? Mm-hmm. You want to get a job? Do you want more clients? Do you want more calls? Do you want more followers? Like what are you trying to achieve? And then who is the target market? Who are the people? So there's the plan. Who are the people? Who are your ideal clients? Who are your centers of influence? Who are the people that need to hire you? And then number three is what's the promise? What's your messaging? So in our course, we teach people how to come up with their plan. We give them a framework for finding the right people And then we teach them how to create the right messaging for those people. And that's the first tip is number one is have a strategy. If you don't have a strategy, energy without strategy is a waste of time and the right strategy will save you a decade. So do you think it is a good strategy to
0: say, I want to make a lot of money on my social media as a strategy,
1: or is that just too broad? I think success, we can define success however we want. If we define success as I want to make a lot of money in a general sense, then it's not a smart goal. It's, it's a very, it's a dream. It's yes. not really a goal. And it's nice to dream. I want to make a lot of money. I want to be rich. Yeah. I want to do all the good fun things, right? <laughs> yep, yep. But you're not going to be able to get there because you don't know where you're going. If you don't know where you're going, you might get somewhere else. I love that. You're just filled with these great nuggets. I got the nuggets, baby. I used to have the chicken nuggets. (laughs) Now I have the golden nuggets.
0: (laughs) Hey, listener. Thanks for hiking along with us. Discover more episodes at itookahike.com or to recommend an adventurous guest, apply to be a sponsor, discover books along the trail, or to simply drop us a line.
1: The second thing is, and the second tip I give people is have assets. Like what are your assets? A lot of the times you get on LinkedIn and you're not sure what to message, you're not sure what to post, you're not sure what to do. If you have the right strategy but you don't have assets that align with that strategy, then you're gonna end up having something called writer's block. Yes. You're gonna be lost. You're gonna have the paralysis of analysis. <laughs> paralysis of analysis. Let's, let's stop analyzing and create some assets. So we teach people how to come up with their stories We teach them how to improve their presence. And then we teach them how to use tools, like we have an AI tool called Evie AI. We teach them how to use that tool to create a persona within it, and then use that tool to create content that's relevant and having tons of different types of assets. Okay. To create direct messages that are relevant so that you always have direct messages ready to go. Okay. To enable you to comment. All those are assets. Do you think leveraging AI is cheating? I think that Leveraging technology can be seen as cheating, but is using a drone cheating? Let's go get a crane because a drone is cheating. What? (laughs) You know, using an airplane is cheating. Let's go take a bicycle to California. (laughs) Think about that for a second. It's cheating, of course it's cheating. It's cheating, but who makes the rules? Cheating is only if there's a set of rules and you're breaking the rules. Okay. Entrepreneurship is cheating. You should be having a job. Right, that's cheating the system. Being able to become financially free and wealthy and successful is the cheat code to getting where you wanna go. So, some people are gonna be like, it's not fair, you have an unfair advantage. That's how you win. Yeah. You wanna win, follow the rules, but you get to create the rules yourself. Okay. So, with AI, the rules are Train it. (laughs) Train the AI. So you have to be the conductor of the AI. You have to, because AI makes things up. Yes. AI doesn't know better, it's just a computer. Computers are not that smart. It's artificial intelligence. Okay. Not real intelligence, not creative intelligence. We have infinite intelligence inside us, but we could leverage artificial intelligence in order for us to have an unfair advantage, in order for it to seem like we're cheating, but we're not really cheating. What we're doing is we're being smart.
0: So do you think, I'm gonna go off the deep end for a second. Do you think we should fear the machines?
1: Do you think there will be a Skynet Terminator type of scenario? I think we should fear people that use the machines and if we don't know how to use it. Okay. Meaning, yes, fear your competitors if you don't know how to use AI and they know how to use it because they will have an unfair advantage. Yes. So you need to learn how to use artificial intelligence. In our new AI course, we essentially walk people through the 20 technologies they need to know in order to have an unfair advantage against their competitors and you know like at the end of the day there's ten thousand technologies you don't need to know all of them to have a competitive advantage you need to master one start with mastering one but then have one for the different things you need to do like for example you need to write content have one that helps you write content you need to write scripts have one that helps you write scripts or edit videos have one that will help you clone your voice have one that will help you create graphic design or presentations. Have be, one that will help you transcribe content and summarize meetings, you know? And be the best at it. And yeah, and, and just learn to use one tool for each problem that you need to solve in your business that will save you time and make you money. And then you're much more likely to be successful because now you have an arsenal of tools. Okay. Do you love your life? I love my life. Would you change anything? I'm constantly evolving. I'm constantly improving. I'm constantly looking for ways to transform more than change because the more things change, the more they stay the same. So I'm always looking to improve. I have very specific goals. And I know that wherever I am right now is exactly where I need to be to get to the next level of success. So many people resent where they are. And resentment is the poison that you drink hoping that other people will die. So you gotta let go of that. You gotta stop eating somebody else's poison, let go of it, accept the moment, go on a hike, and let the fears take a hike! That's, so I love that because you, and to be fair to all my guests, see the opportunity in taking a hike in nature and just seize it. Seize the opportunity to take a hike in nature, get really, really clear about what you want in life, and then go after it. And if you're busy thinking about what would I change, What are my regrets? What are the things that are not working in my life? That's where the focus goes. Where focus goes, energy flows. So if you want to be successful and you have a goal and you want to achieve it, you got to focus on how you want to transform to get to that goal, not what you can change about your life. Because if more things change, the more they stay the same. I think you have probably the same amount of taglines and cliches as
0: I do, so I love it. (laughs) Um, it, I, I, Teach my kids when they're when I or I taught my kids when they were starting out to ride a bike where your eyeballs look you steer. Yeah, like the like the racing cars that's, they train you exactly to look where right. you want to go, right? Or if you're uh, if you're not looking at the golf ball when you're yeah. down, right? It's where keep the golf balls eye, keep go. Keep your eye on the ball. That's right. So so the same thing in our mental capacity, same thing in our professional success or whatever success that is. If you're thinking about head trash. Trash is going to be your outcome. Exactly. If you're thinking
1: positive, then you're going to reap the positive rewards. But not, you know, like at the end of the day, there's a concept called toxic positivity where you could not look at reality and always just think positive, think positive, think positive. Meanwhile, you're in quicksand. Rose-colored glasses. So you got to... Well, look that, at reality, you gotta have the good balance. you after
0: bad and make some mistakes. So there has to be the yin and yang of balance. You gotta
1: have the yin and yang and like know where your reality is at the same time. Look at the positive and find the opportunity. And it begins with asking the right questions. A lot of people ask the following question. They say, why me? Why does this always have to happen to me? And what I say instead is, how great is this? <laughs> what's great about this when an opportunity strikes sometimes it comes disguised as pain sometimes it comes disguised as a problem but i don't look at problems as problems i look at problems as opportunities because every single problem that you have is an opportunity in disguise every problem should have a solution
0: and if you're wise enough to find your solution you can see through it
1: or sometimes you don't even need a solution you got to just look at the problem from a different angle and realize that hey this is not actually a problem this is the solution. Not that the problem is the solution, but the fact that there's a problem is the solution. I'll give you an example. I had a huge problem in my training business. I trained over a thousand clients to learn how to use LinkedIn over three years. Very successful, helped a lot of people. But there were many people that simply don't have the time to do LinkedIn properly. And as a result of that, maybe they don't want to continue with LinkedIn training. Maybe they don't wanna keep spending and investing in that. So how am I gonna grow the business if I can't build up that reoccurring revenue because people just simply don't have the time? Big problem, right? And I could say, okay, well, I'm not doing LinkedIn training anymore because people don't have the time. But instead I said, oh, people don't have the time. That's a great problem. Because now I can build an artificial intelligence tool where people don't need the time. And the fact that they have this problem that was my problem before, now this problem is my competitive advantage. Now this problem is my next business. Ah. Your client's problems, your biggest problems are your next business. Your the bigger big- the problem, the bigger the business.
0: So I like it. So you're finding a problem and you find a solution to it. And that's essentially every great invention that has ever existed has been a solution to a problem. Yeah. We had plaque on our teeth. We had what was called the skin on our teeth, (laughs) right? So somebody said, huh, I'm going to figure out a way to brush that off. At first it was a twig, then it became boar bristles, and then eventually, Colgate or Mr. Crest or and Mr. Now it's, Oral Now B it's came oil around. pulling
1: with coconut yeah. oil. <laughs> like whatever it is, right? Full cir- we came full circle back to the natural habitat. This is uh well,
0: this is what human beings do. We tinker. We feel like uh, we have to fix things that need to be fixed even though they didn't really need to be fixed in the first place.
1: That's why I said the problem is the solution.
0: Yeah, yeah. electric toothbrushes, eh, they don't do anything different, right? <laughs> but but we were marketed to. And right? we buy them. We buy them because someone saw a problem and they said, I'm too too lazy to manually brush my teeth so let me turn on an electric toothbrush with 19,000 pulses yeah not realizing I, I had one of those for a while not realizing that you are actually brushing your teeth with teeth the same way with manual only now it's powered <laughs> <laughs> so using less energy all right so step back a little bit did you set
1: out to be this guru of LinkedIn or it just happened organically I did not set out to be a guru. As a matter of fact, when I started my business, I had this like thought in my head: like, who am I? Mm -hmm. Who am I to teach people? I'm just a doer. I'm just like a problem solver, a fixer. I don't teach anybody anything. I was actually afraid of public speaking. Like, if you asked me to speak 15 years ago and and go on a hike, I would say take a hike. I believe it. I would not do it. Absolutely not. And the reason is because I didn't know myself. Mm. I didn't know who I was. I didn't know my power. I didn't realize how much of an expert I am because the more you know, the more you know how much you don't know. Okay. The bigger the expert, the bigger you realize how dumb you are and how you know nothing. The more you know about the world, the more you realize how small you are and how little you know and how much more there is to know. Like if you didn't even know SEO existed, you wouldn't even know it existed. But if you know SEO exists and you start looking into it, you realize, oh my God, there's 500 different parts to the Google algorithm. That's crazy, I have so much more to learn. And so I just became like this learner. I just wanted to learn information about everything that I can get my hands of when it relates to business growth and marketing and entrepreneurship. And then what happened was is I discovered LinkedIn. I discovered that LinkedIn is an extremely powerful platform where people are doing the following. On Instagram, people put a handle. What's your handle on Instagram? Mine's at Joe Applebaum. What's yours? I took a hike podcast. I took a hike yeah. podcast. perfect. I took a hike podcast on Instagram. Guys, by the way, if you're listening to this, follow his Instagram account. Thank Very you. organic the way I threw that in there. The thing is about Instagram is I don't know who you are by going to your Instagram page. I don't know your first name, I don't know your last name. What was your, what was your handle again? I took a hike podcast. I don't want to connect with I took a hike podcast. I don't even know who it is. But I want to connect with Darren. Yep. I want to get to know him. I want to build a relationship. And on LinkedIn, I can see your first name, your last name, your company name, where you work, what you've done, uh, every single post that you have, every comment that you left, all our mutual connections where you went to school. Like I know a lot about somebody when I go on LinkedIn, so I'm able to build a much deeper, more meaningful relationship on LinkedIn, and that's why I'm so gung-ho on LinkedIn, and that's what I discovered many, many years ago, that LinkedIn gives me information as a marketer, Mm -hmm. as a networker, as a relationship person, that allows me to be able to connect in a deeper way. So, Joe, what are you passionate about? I am passionate about helping hungry entrepreneurs go from frustration to motivation. I want to help 1,000 hungry entrepreneurs be able to take their life to the next level. Today, I'm doing that through my artificial intelligence tool called Evie AI, where I enable people to have a voice on LinkedIn using artificial intelligence. This tool that we developed actually has 2,000 people globally using it right now. My vision is really to help 1,000 people use it every single day. But my bigger vision is to enable a million people on LinkedIn to be able to use AI with their voice properly
0: I like and how you caught me them. there. I slipped and you caught me. This <laughs> that's is what right. I
1: do. I got five kids. I got to catch people when they fall. You, so you I have, have good reflexes. reflexes like a cat just like yeah, 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 yeah. I'm like Spider-Man when it comes to that. Exactly. We don't look like it, but <laughs> the webs can come out. The webs can definitely yeah. come out. So, five yeah, kids. so that's, wow. that's my, my thing is like my passion is really being able to find solutions to other people's problems especially when it comes to business. I'm very passionate about entrepreneurship and the reason I'm passionate about it is because I watched my mother try to build her store in the Lower East Side for literally a decade. And eventually she went out of business. What was the store? It was a women's clothing store in the Lower East Side on Orchard Street and Delancey Street. and. Gus's watching Pickles were right there. Right around the corner. I used to go to Gus's Pickles <laughs> yep. all the time. I love Gus's Pickles. Shalom Pizza it was a kosher pizza yep. shop right around the corner. Yep. So I grew up there watching catches, them. Russ and Daughters, all that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. And, and and Gertel's Bakery was right around the corner from Gus. And so I grew up watching them struggle trying to make a living. And when I built my business, Ajax Union, when I started 15 years ago, within three years, we were number 178 on the Inc. 500. Then it was the Inc. 500. Wow. Now it's the Inc. 5000. We were one of the fastest growing companies in America. And if I look back at what I did differently than what my mother did, it was I had a strategy. Mm -hmm. I had the plan, the people, the promise. I had that laid out for myself. And now I have a strategy for EVAI to be able to impact so many more people. And that's what it's about for me. It's about the impact I can make in someone's life. A woman messaged me on, on LinkedIn yesterday and she said, Joe, my EVAI stopped working. I can't log in. Mm-hmm. I went to her LinkedIn, got her cell phone number, picked up the phone and called her at eight o'clock at night. She picked up and she's like, hello. I'm like, this is Joe Appelbaum, founder of Evie AI. I was like, I heard you have an issue. You messaged me on LinkedIn. She's like, no, my issue got resolved, but you called me. Yeah. Yes. It's like the CEO of Google calling me. I'm like, "Or not Google, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you're one of our first hundred customers, one of our first hundred premium members. I want to show you respect. And she's like, I'm going to tell the whole world about this tool because this tool is changing my life. I'm able to post. I'm able to comment. I'm able to direct message, all with artificial intelligence. And it drafts it all for me. It never automates anything. So I was like, you know what? Thank you for saying that. Do you mind leaving us a five-star review on the Google Chrome store? And she's like, I'm going to do that right now. <laughs> I love the ask. So there
0: is an important learning lesson in what you just said. And I work with a lot of CEOs that they seem to miss this point where they graduate away from it. The thing that made you so successful as a CEO is your ability to be the one who has the most to gain, most to lose, and you accepted risks. That means you had to shake hands, kiss babies, and talk to every single customer. You were the top salesperson in your world. 100%. Eventually, when you become very successful as a CEO, you hire people to do that, and you step away from that approach. In fact, you begin to push yourself away from wanting to interact with customers, and that's where I will pull you back and say, "Nah." You are the person that has the most to gain, most to lose, and you should absolutely be willing to pick up the phone and call a customer to either just randomly check in or to follow up when there's an issue. Because what you did right there, you appear like the CEO of the universe to your customer, right? They were mystified by it, but you created a lasting impression that will transcend just that phone call. What'll end up happening is this individual is going to shout it from the rooftops of how great you are, give you the five-star review that you asked
1: for, right? They are your biggest fan. And they're paying less than a dollar a day. And it doesn't matter. That's the point, because, because you the could the only thank care. You, the, the, right, but it all has to do with your passion. If you're yes. not passionate about your company, because we're talking about passion. I'm so passionate about helping people. If someone has a problem, and they tell me their problem, I am so dedicated to Finding a solution to that problem, whether it's building technology, making an introduction, recommending a book. It doesn't have to be my book. I published five books. It doesn't have to be one of my books. I recommend hundreds of other people's books. And I love doing that because when I, I always tell this to people when I teach them about networking, I say, when I solve a problem for you in your life, if I recommend a book for you, you will forever thank me. For the lessons that you learned from the book that I didn't even write because I recommended that book. So That's the right. value that you get from my recommendations are all attributed to me. There's a book called The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. Have you heard of it? I have not. A lot of people are night people, night owls, and they want to become a morning person. And in that book, I kind of learned that there's no like morning person or night owl. It's all a matter of like... Routine. when you wake up yeah right when it, wh- you, you need a certain amount of hours certain amount of sleep no, I cycles to explain that
0: to my wife by the way who is from california originally and is convinced that she's always on california
1: time if someone's convinced about something i try <laughs> not are. to convince them yep. and try not to change them i tried that with my ex-wife it didn't work yep. Yep. <laughs> hence hence she's my ex-wife now but you know only good things to say about everyone in my life I've, i'm i love all the people in my life but i believe that if someone has a conviction which is a strong belief even if you show them that the world is round and you show them the truth and you show them pictures, they're not going to believe it. Do you know there are more flat earthers today than there was in Christopher Columbus's day? Yeah, because how nine? is that? Well, it's because there are more people today yeah. than there was then, you know, think okay. about- Economies <laughs> of scale,
0: okay. Think about Got how
1: many billions of idiots there are now. Yeah. Compared yeah. to then, there were only a few idiots. <laughs>
0: well, you know, th- that is the sad reality that sometimes the idiot has the loudest megaphone.
1: Especially on TikTok. That's why I love LinkedIn, because yeah. on LinkedIn, people are afraid to start spewing stupidity because it represents them and their career. That's right. When it comes to business, people are much more conservative, and that's why it's also harder to get engagement on LinkedIn. But if you use the strategies that are popular, there are ways to do it. There are ways to get dozens of likes and comments and build a real community, and it has to do with your strategy. Because like like I said earlier, the right strategy will save you a decade, and that's what I'm passionate about, is helping people come up with a solid strategy. I think when it comes to LinkedIn,
0: You have to be willing to put yourself out there. You have to be willing to be vulnerable. Absolutely be honest. Do not come across salesy. Be willing to help others and inspire. And just by nature of that, people will align with you. It is not about the amount of followers or connections. It is about the quality of your message. And you will eventually get rewarded. But you have to be willing to share on others' posts. So you find yourself a community, not a pod right pods to me right it's a if big they're thing they're there now. just to game the system if, it's yeah. not going to work if long term yeah if you're there with a bunch of people that you're in a networking group so they say yeah we'll all comment and like your stuff up that's not authentic that's not genuine and people will see through that but if you find five to ten people that post regularly and you align with their message and you further their message in the comments share reshare what have you it will pay you back in the long run because you'll also have a deeper sense
1: of purpose. Yeah, that's true. And
0: I found that with my own posting. Community creates purpose. There is a community. So I think that's a very well-rounded message there. There's a
1: question I ask my clients. Do you know your connections? A lot of people are hoarding connections. If you're hoarding connections, the likelihood of you being successful on LinkedIn is low because you can hoard 30,000 connections. It's useless. What you wanna do instead of hoarding connections is build relationships. That means. Read someone's profile. Our AI will take someone's profile and create a bullet point summary for you in about 10 seconds so that you, you have bullet points of who the person is because it does take a few minutes to read a profile, but it takes a few seconds to read a summary. That is right. And so that's kind of like one of the features that we have over there to make, just again, just to solve problems for people to make life easier. And by the way, this stuff is available for free for people to try out. So I encourage people to kind of check that out for free. I love adding free value, like you said earlier. Free value. Add value to other people's lives. I'm always teaching. I posted on LinkedIn over 5,000 times, and this is what I want to tell people. 5,000, wow. This is what I want to tell people. If you don't have exposure, it's because you're not exposing yourself. Now, in the woods, nobody's going to know if we expose ourselves (laughs) because there are no followers. There's no one behind us. So you need to add connections, you need to add the right connections, it's easy to get followers on LinkedIn because every connection becomes a follower, but you need to expose yourself, which means start posting, start engaging, start messaging, do it strategically, and if you do it consistently and strategically, you're going to get results, you're going to get conversations. And some people say, oh, Joe, does, cl- does LinkedIn work? I say, does networking work? Yeah. Does relationship building work? If, re- if you don't believe that networking works, a lot of people don't. A lot of people think networking is a waste of time, and it's because they have a fear. Ninety percent of people are afraid of public speaking, and networking is a form of public speaking. So if you can overcome that fear of yourself, of presenting yourself to the world, then you're able to build those relationships. Then you're able to grow your business, and then you'll want to make those authentic connections. A lot of people don't want to connect authentically because they don't love themselves. Well, so... You struck
0: many great points there. One, overcoming fears is the marker of very successful people. Every successful person has had a fear, whether it was public speaking- networking. Or just putting themselves out there and networking, right? Every successful salesperson has mastered networking. You cannot be great at sales if you cannot communicate and network with a potential audience or a customer. So they've had fear, right? Like you, yeah. I didn't like public speaking. Right. But I forced myself to do it. I was the CEO of a company. It was a requirement for the job. Yeah. And after you do that, you practice enough. You then get great at something.
1: To <laughs> Tony Robbins, I, I watched Tony Robbins. Are you familiar with Tony Robbins? Of course. <laughs> I watched him speak and there, he said... Every
0: once in a while I'll play the humble, no, please tell me. But yes, of course I know some <laughs> Tony Robbins.
1: Wasn't he the awesome character in Shallow Hell? <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. Well, he was, but yes. Tony Robbins is, is one of the world's greatest professional speakers, very, very successful. Is the, is the. Some people yep. say he's the, the most successful professional speaker in the world. Mm-hmm. And he, one of the things that really struck me that he said is like, he said when, when he started early on, he start he was basically homeless, he was living out of his car, blah, 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 that whole sob story mm-hmm. that people give when they're trying yeah. to sell motivational stuff. Yep. And he said, he got, he met this guy named Jim Rohn. hmm that was doing personal development seminars. And Jim said, hey, why don't you fill my seminars and I'll give you a commission on everyone that you fill. And he started, fill, he started listening to Jim Rohn's seminars and eventually filling his seminars. Then he said, you know what? I wanna start doing speaking engagements myself. He said, the average speaker maybe does one engagement a week if they hustle. He said, I'm gonna do three engagements a day. Practice. Even if it's at a Denny's restaurant. Yes. Even Practice. if it's at a Denny's restaurant. Even if nowadays, even if it's on Facebook Live or whatever, or on LinkedIn Live. He, he became the like, subway musician. If you are not putting in the work, you're not gonna get good. The better, the more work you put into it, the better you get at it. You still need the right strategy because energy without strategy is a waste of time. So have a coach, have someone to guide you to make sure you're taking the right actions. But let me tell you something. There's no way to learn faster than by doing. That's, that's exactly right. And Tony is a classic example of someone who had fears, uncertainties and doubts and pushed past
0: it. If you look at him as a physical human he has gigantism,
1: <laughs> right? Yeah, he, he keeps has growing. Lots. Even until today in his 60s, he's yes, growing.
0: Lots of insecurity, loads of insecurities. Yeah. But he had to push past that. And it was that, those insecurities that created fear, but it was that desire to push past it which created the
1: larger-than-life character he is, punning. He, he calls it hunger. Yes, it's he
0: hunger. hunger. He has this,
1: like, hunger. Not everybody has hunger. If you're not hungry then you are dying. That is right. I went to Alaska, talking about doing a hike, I went to Alaska and I watched the salmon come back to the place where they were spawned initially, talking about beers, there's yeah. beers out over here where we are. There are actually bears here, yes. And so the, the fish, when do the fish die? When do the salmon die? The salmon don't just die, the salmon die when they stop eating. They literally become zombie fish, I don't know if you know this, did you know that salmon stop eating, they become zombie fish, And they allow themselves to die, and then the beers come and they eat all the dead salmon. That basically just decided that their life is over and they stopped eating. Well, their purpose was to (laughs) lay the eggs upstream. And then come back to where they were born, and then boom, and then just stop eating. So if you lose your hunger, (laughs) if you lose your hunger, you're dead. That's my point. My point is if you lose your hunger, you got to have the hunger. And what creates the hunger? Excitement and passion. If you can find your passion, if you can create that excitement you're going to love what you do. And if you love what you do, they say you never lived a day and never worked a day in your life. If you love what you do. So, but I, I, it's for me, it's a, a level deeper. It's not just loving what you do. It's loving how you do it as well. Like I'm here doing a hike. I'm not just loving this hike. I'm not just loving this podcast. I'm loving how I'm doing it as yeah. well. Isn't I, that interesting? So you were
0: on this hike because I stopped being hungry. Right? <laughs> I lost my way. After I sold my business, I checked off a whole bunch of boxes that anyone would want to check off, and that was it. I thought I did it, I thought I- You I, made it. I made it. You got
1: to the top of the yeah. summit, you're like, I got enough money to feed my kids yeah. for the rest of my life, what am I gonna do now? Check off
0: a whole bunch of don'ts, but then I realized when the hunger was gone, so was my relevancy, passion, and purpose. And then I went on a hike. Someone took me on a hike, my brother, and I realized, oh, huh, I gotta be hiking. And then I had a conversation with someone like you, inspirational, motivational, And that is what sparked that fire in my belly again to realize the goal that you set needs to be reset constantly because when you finish that race, Usain Bolt needed another race. Yeah. Otherwise you start dying quicker.
1: Yeah. You die on the inside. So Joe, what is your definition of success? I believe that success has to do with setting a goal and then achieving it. I think that money's a metric. Money's definitely a metric that can tell you if you're getting closer to your goal or not getting closer to your goal. The goal can't be the metric. It's like if you're looking at the gas tank and it says the gas tank is like, you know, half full, half empty, is that the metric? Is your speedometer the metric? The speedometer tells you if you're within the limit or not within the limit. Is, is how many miles you went, is that, is that the, the metric? Or is the metric the journey? If you, or is the metric, you know, is the metric the point or is, is the journey the point? The metric can't be the journey, like the metric can't be the thing that you're doing for the metric. If you're just doing it for the numbers, if you're just doing it for success just to make a couple dollars, you're ultimately not gonna be happy. But setting a goal and setting the right goal is really, really key. So for me, making sure that I set goals in the different areas of my life, I always say set goals to your roles. What are the different roles you have in your life? Father, right, you said father, husband. Father's number one. Father's number one, husband. Some people say husband's number one. Okay, father, husband, community leader, a podcast host, a business owner, whatever, whatever you're a coach, whatever you do, there are different roles that you have in your life. But there's a role that a lot of people miss out that they don't set goals aligned with the role of self. They say, oh, father's the most important thing, or they say husband's the most important thing, or CEO's the most important thing, but they forget that self is a role too. Yeah. Self is, I believe, the most important role that we need to set goals to. and sometimes we kind of overlook that and we don't set goals and those goals need to not just be aligned with like metrics metrics are a key performance indicator but also about feeling like thinking about the ontology of of life of like you're thinking about like how do you how do you experience life like if you look around right now at this beautiful beautiful view that we're watching here we're experiencing If we're trying to accomplish something by what we're experiencing, we're no longer yep. experiencing. You are in my office. This is our work day so right So success now. here is being present and being now. Yep. Success ultimately, with for different roles, are related to ego, are related yep. to roles. For that, there are metrics that you can measure, but there's different ways to measure success. I think the balance of understanding experience versus action versus mm-hmm. doing and just experiencing and being able to kind of have the experience while you're climbing and getting closer to your money goal or to your health goal or to your relationship goals. I think that that's where it's at. I think there's a book I called uh, high energy purpose and I talk about there's an internal purpose and there's an external purpose. The internal purpose is about being present. The external purpose is about understanding what your goals are and going to achieve them. And money's not a bad thing. Money's just a tool. It is and not if evil. You just focus on the tool. It's yeah. not evil. It if be it's evil, evil. If you believe it's evil, if you believe it's evil, it becomes evil. Yeah. What you believe about something, that's what it becomes. So for me, I'm I'm very into like being in the journey and looking at the metrics and knowing where we're at, looking at the indicators looking at life, surrounding yourself. Like I have so many things that I need to be doing right now, but I'm right here in you, the moment. Well, that's doing why we this. hike because
0: yeah. you're not in a studio wondering where the next call is going to be or what time you have to be here or there. You are on a mountain with me, you are present and we're getting a more authentic version of you, a more open and honest version of you. Yeah. Uh, I want to touch on the point that you basically said, love for oneself, care for oneself. That's the reason why self is at the top of my star. Right, It's not selfish Self is at the top of
1: the shelf. <laughs> See, we're coming up with cheesy taglines everywhere, right? Because it's Christmas it's right. time. So it's like it the is. shelf and the elf and the shelf. Yeah. <laughs> on the or the bench the on shelf. the bench. And the bench um, on the bench. There you go. So let me, let me pivot this. Do you believe that you are successful? I believe that I've had a lot of success in my life because I've achieved a lot of goals that I've set. I believe that I have many more goals that I'd like to achieve. I believe that I have been successful and I continue to be successful because I'm not willing to give up. That's right. Failure is not the ultimate failure. Like, failure is the path to success. Yeah. You have to fail. You have to fall before you walk. You have to fall before you run. That's just what it is. So if I quit, then I failed. Then I have not been successful. Well, so as long as I is keep misunderstood moving... misunderstood,
0: too. It is okay to quit.
1: I quit a job to start a company. But you right? didn't quit a job. I didn't quit you a quit life. Yes. Like, yeah, you, well, if, you quit your misery. Well, I if you miserable, your quit your opportunity. If your goal was to have a job and you quit your job, then you quit your ability to have success because you quit and you gave up on it, and now you're just doing what you're doing in California on Venice Beach, living in a tent. <laughs> you know, like you're like, ah, that could be successful for somebody.
0: That could exactly. be their successful KPI. It's Most of the
1: people that are there are having mental health issues. I. Yeah, this is true. To <laughs> Venice Beach. I, I like how you phrased that. If you quitting's okay, but
0: if you quit your goals, yeah. That's the failure. That's the failure. But failure is good. I love, I embrace failure. Every time I've failed, I've learned. Every time you failed, if you chose to turn it into a lesson, you learned, you
1: avoided falling off the bike or making a left turn down a dead end. There's always going to be somebody else that's more successful than you. So the concept of, are you successful? Are you not successful? If you look back five years ago, and you look back and you progressed from where you were five years ago to where you are today, and you are satisfied with that progression, and then you look forward another five years, and then you see where you wanna go very clearly, and you have a clear vision, and you will have a plan for progressing towards that, then I believe that you're a successful person. Love that. Because you set your goals, you achieve them, and you're looking forward to new, bigger goals. I have a big, hairy, audacious goal. I wanna help a million people on that LinkedIn. That is a big goal. That's a big, big goal. That's a huge, huge goal. Is it attainable? I believe that there's no goal that is too big, only a timeline that is too small. I heard John Rohn said that, and I really, really believe that. And the reason I believe that is because my goal doesn't need to be fulfilled in my lifetime. My kids can take it over. Mm -hmm. But I believe that it will be fulfilled in my lifetime. I believe that I'll be able to impact a million people very deeply because there's right now a billion people on LinkedIn. So that's one-tenth of one percent of people. And there's 60 million people logging in every day for more than 17 minutes a day. Amazing. So if I can impact a million people somehow, and the, the way that I'm going to do it is very clear. I'm going to help a thousand people help a thousand people. Mm-hmm. A thousand times a thousand is how much? Do the math. <laughs> it's a million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a million. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Ten times a thousand is ten thousand, a hundred times a thousand is a hundred thousand, a thousand times a thousand is ten times that, which is a million. So if I could...
0: So you got to get to hundred thousand. I learned that from Torah. Help.
1: Yeah. I learned that from Torah. Torah never talks about a million. When it talks about a million, it says a thousand thousand. If you go to the Torah and you look up the word a million, that doesn't exist, it says a thousand thousand. So I was like, you know what? That's well, a million. How do you really impact people? It's a thousand people. You yes. impact a thousand people. There's a, uh, a guy. I named, want you to impact hundred thousand. <laughs> because at hundred thousand, a hundred. Well, I, right, I don't but think that's, that's, possible, billion. that's yeah. a billion. That's a billion. But I don't need to go to the billion because that's how many people are on LinkedIn. Period. And only sixty million are active anyway that are logging in every day for seventeen minutes a day. So if I can make a difference for a million people, I think that that's fine yeah. by me. That's my goal. Now some other people want to make an impact for a billion. That's okay. There's almost ten, soon there's going to be ten billion people McDonald's in the world. McDonald's that goal. And I'm okay with that. And they, you know, they did what they needed to do. But for me, it's about knowing what I want to do. And so I know that I can hit it. There's the rule of a thousand fans. Have you heard of that rule? I have not. Kevin Kelly in Wired Magazine wrote an article called The Thousand Fans Rule. If you can get a thousand people to become your loyal fans, you have a business. So he's like oh, a thousand. A thousand is not a big deal. How many connections you have? Twelve thousand connections. Yep. Do you know a thousand of them? Did you go through all twelve thousand? I
0: actually 000? do, right? Because uh, <laughs> the original half, the base half, was in my industry, and these are people. Well, back in the early LinkedIn days, you had to know someone to yeah. really connect. Yeah. With do them. you really know this yep. person?
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah. But but the human brain caps off right around there with the uh, the amount of connections you. Well, have. there's something called the Dunbar Law. I don't yep. know if you ever heard of I Robin yes. Dunbar. Yep. The Dunbar Law states that the average person can only have 150 relationships. at any That's one right. given time in their life. But that doesn't mean that you can't yep. have more. You can have many more than 150 relationships. Just at any given yep. one time, your brain can't really hold more than 150 people in as inputs contact. in you close can't, contact. You can't
0: remember their names, their kids' names. There are companies that have actually uh, really worked with, with Dunbar's thinking. And Robin Dunbar, amazing anthropologist. Uh, they have
1: opened up offices that have capped out at 150 employees. Uh, think about how the army works. Yes, Think about how the police departments work. Yes. Think about how BNI works. Have you ever studied BNI? I haven't studied it, but I am very familiar with BNI. So BNI stands for Business Network International. They're the world's largest professional networking organization. They have over 300,000 members globally of people that want to network with each other and build relationships. And I actually got access to take a look at their membership. You know, I have some, some really good connections networking wise. And I took a look at their membership and I realized that they break up chapters and regions in small little chunks. Because you become a
0: family in a way and you you really get engaged. And then they also make sure that there's no competition in those groups. So there's
1: one accountant, not two, not three, not 10. That's in those groups. But even in like regions, they break their regions down in in manageable numbers. Have you heard of the Entrepreneurs Organization? I have. Eos. I was a member of EO for many, many years. I was on their board. And one of the things that I noticed is that chapters really cap out around 200 to 250. It's very hard to get a chapter past 200 sustainably. Mm-hmm. Some of them do it, but most of the time it's like 150, that range, because that's when things start breaking down. But you lose people. You lose people. You lose, so you if,
0: lose the social if you connection. Build,
1: if you wanna build a community, I would say go for a max of 250 people in your community. But if you really wanna build something robust, you know build four groups of 250. Build five or six groups of 150. Like think about it like that, like segments like that and you're going to be much more likely to be successful with what you're well, doing. It's a, it's a quality thing. Keep your community small, embrace each other and you can build upon that as you You said, still need you still need to have a certain level of quantity. You can't yeah. just focus on quality. So many people are focused on quality that they forget about quantity and they don't, you know, you need to have a combination and a balance, a yin and a yang of quality and quantity, but quality cannot be overstated. Like you need to have quality, otherwise it's not gonna work. But your example of a thousand, a thousand, a million. Yeah. A thousand
0: is a large quantity depending on how you're looking at it. In the case of networking, a thousand is not a lot.
1: It depends on on what you consider networking. Online
0: networking.
1: Yeah, digital yeah, digital online followers and fans. A thousand thousand is not a lot of people, but a thousand relationships online is a lot of people. Like if I if I most people that I start coaching, I say, okay, let's look through your connections. I teach them how to download their connections. And I say, How many of these people do you recognize? How many of them are strategic for your business? So I do recognize, strategize and prioritize. And how many of them would you prioritize to have a conversation with in the next year? Mm -hmm. So I've been preaching this concept of a thousand. Guess for how long? I'm going to say for at least a few years. 15 years. (laughs) My goal with Ajax Union was to service 1,000 clients. What does Ajax stand for? Ajax stands for Asynchronous JavaScript and XML, the technology. Mm-hmm. But it also stands for Alan Joe and X. X ah. is the customer. It's a union. And by the way, I live in Union County now. <laughs>
0: Did you do that so, on purpose? No, hey, on no, brand. no.
1: I didn't even know it was like Union County was a thing. I, I had no idea you lived in uh, in Jersey. Yeah, I, <laughs> I recently uh, moved here. I'm I'm eventually gonna move to Florida. Like I'm I'm looking <laughs> into things in Florida, so I'm gonna be living in Florida you very are. soon. you My parents are my parents <laughs> are retiring. They're a little bit elderly. They live in Florida. I'm divorced now. So I can move to Florida. There's no problem. So I'm definitely going to move to Florida. But in order to move to Florida, I first have to move out of New York and then get closer to the airport. Then I'm going to start traveling a lot to Florida. And then I'm going to make my Florida my main residence. My kids are still young, so I want to still be around them, older but the I'm kid. no longer living in New York. Yeah. kids? My youngest is seven. My oldest is 17. So they're still young. Yep. But as they get emancipated and as they get older, <laughs> my, my goal is really living in Florida and making that my place. So let's talk personal. So you grew up in Manhattan. I grew up in Borough Park in borough park brooklyn In brooklyn yeah and your
0: mom had a store on the lower east side yeah did you grow up in manhattan i did not my father did my father grew up that's in how st- you knew
1: about augustus pickles oh yeah
0: my father grew up in the 40s that's it's the so 1940s. easy to fall here it's yes. so
1: easy to fall so you, your father grew up in the 40s and yep. in, in, in he lower grew up east side.
0: in sty town which was okay. the absolute ghetto back then yeah, right course. uh war vets were given housing basically there oh really i didn't know that yeah yeah that was uh oh like bedford stuyvesant in brooklyn no well that's a different type but no this was sty town peter cooper village in stuyvesant town on the east side of manhattan Manhattan. yeah yeah uh, between what is that 14th street and 23rd street
1: yeah oh that's where they have a lot of clubs now
0: yes well now it's cool now it's the largest uh, privately owned property in manhattan Uh, but back then it was uh it was rough you were very poor wow so i have a lot of history that ties back to that including when i moved into the city i moved to peter cooper village
1: in sty town So let's talk uh, life. You grew up, not wealthy. No, my parents didn't really have any money. Their parents didn't really have any money, but they worked hard, they were hard workers. You know, that was, that's the thing. The thing is- That's their legacy. When you're a hard worker, eventually it's gonna work out.
0: So I have this conversation quite often with close friends that you can work very hard. You can amass enough wealth, hand it down to your children but have spent no time with them. Yeah. Right? And we see this with very wealthy people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see that I they I actually saw a video recently
1: about that where a, a kid is seen giving their parents like $5 and mm-hmm. the father's like, what do you want? He's like, can I just have one minute of your time? Oh, <laughs> that's sad. <laughs> it's very yeah, sad, but, it but it's like, you know, it strikes a chord, yeah. But,
0: but that's where yeah, yeah. it came to me and I realized that you could hand your kids a lot of money for when you die, and have taught them no real valuable lessons and now they become very wealthy upon your exit. Or you can hand them with no monetary wealth, but the wealth of knowledge, inspiration, guidance, the wealth
1: that you can teach them to make their own wealth yeah. and pass it forward. Yeah. And to me, I think that that's is really a much important. better legacy. I think that's, that's important. And you know, for everybody, it's something else. You know, it's like, what was it? The father drove the bicycle, the son drove the Honda Accord, The yeah. His son drove the Lamborghini and then the whatever, and then eventually yep. they drove the bicycle. Yes, you know? that's right. Uh, by the way, shoes untied. Want to oh, let me tie. Get it.
0: that so you don't trip. All right, so let's, uh, let's go into a, a sensitive topic these days. Yeah. You are clearly Jewish.
1: I am Jewish, yeah.
0: Right? And uh, we are living in a very tough world right now. We are. And I would say it's a frustrating Uh, existence and you know the lessons of my grandparents and I'm
1: sure the lessons of your grandparents 100% have struck a nerve these days. It's not just the lessons it's the DNA. It's the DNA. My great-grandparents were in the Holocaust they or their whole family was killed and my grandparents actually not my great-grandparents but like you know their whole family was killed and they moved to Brazil and they started a new family. So that, that's my father.
0: that, obviously, you moved to Brazil, you moved to America, you moved to Israel, right? You got out of Dodge, yeah. so to speak. And, you know, and now, with the turbulent times of today, we are seeing how real it is that people can just hate for no reason,
1: well, based on stereotyping. Exactly, so they have a reason. But their reasons are not valid, they're not true, they're lies, and that's why that, that creates intolerance. Ignorance creates intolerance. Yeah. So they believe that Jews own the media, that Jews own the world, or whatever it is, and they have reasons for hating Jews. You could find reasons for anything, for hating anybody, for that's hating right. any, any creature in this world. And if somebody's full of hate, they're always looking for the scapegoat. They're yep. always looking for that goat. The goat. So I
0: find it interesting that if the stereotype is that the Jews own the media, then why does the media st- continue
1: to portray the hatred that is being spread across the board? It doesn't have to make sense. <laughs> blood libels don't make sense. Jews are not allowed to eat blood, but they still say that they eat blood of kids or whatever it is. You know, like they make they make up lies that don't make any sense. They're not rational. Mm-hmm. But that's you know that's that's what some people do and they feel justified for doing it, they feel good about it, they are on a mission, and then eventually they forget about it. Yeah, well, it's like everything else in this very short-minded, short-term world we live in.
0: The next story comes out, Michael Jackson will come back to life and die again. We'll pay attention <laughs> to that for a little while. Yeah, Have exactly. you experienced any prejudice or anti-Semitism? All the time,
1: all the time. What does that know. look like? So When I was younger, there were teenagers that chased me and pulled my yarmulke off my head. But you grew up in Borough um, Park. I grew up in Borough Park, and still, even in Borough Park, there was a lot of anti-Semitism. Really? Yeah, people cursing at me for being Jewish, you know, just yelling at me on the street. Manhattan. What do you do with that? I, you know, I'm not going to fight, I'm not going to sit there and fight with them and, like, yell back or whatever, but, you know, I'll, I'll engage with it a little bit and see if there's a reasonable conversation that we can have about what they're talking about because I'm, I want to show them that I'm a regular human. Yeah. But if once I realize that it, it's just spewing anger and hate, and like they're like riled up and angry, I'll just keep myself safe. Yep. You know, you want to keep yourself safe as a human being. Your first priority is make sure that you don't get killed. Yep. By a snake on a hike. <laughs> make sure you don't get <laughs> or killed. Or by, by an anti-Semite <laughs> in yeah. Manhattan or somewhere. So yeah. I'm always vigilant. I'm always on the lookout because I need to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I've gotten hate on LinkedIn. Uh, Where people commenting on my posts, you know, saying saying negative Jewish comments, and then they get blocked by LinkedIn. You know, like I delete the comments, I report them, I block them, and then they end up getting off the platform because people do create accounts and they talk, you know, hate because I'm clearly Jewish. Why, especially on a professional platform like LinkedIn,
0: would you ever spew a negative comment on a real profile? Because hurt people hurt other people. Yes. They're deeply, deeply hurt. And but, they're not intelligent. But some of these hurt people that are hurting people are real people. And they're putting their professionalism or profession on the line. So do you ever let the
1: hate get to you? No, I don't let it get to me. And that's the lesson of your grandparents and I exercise. And great I work out. You know, if, if something's getting to you, it's not because something else happened on the outside. It's what's going on on the inside. Mm. So you can actually work on creating the right emotions, the right energy the right hormones you know there's dopamine there's serotonin there's oxytocin like you you have to think about like how can i create the right environment for myself to experience joy every day you have the ability to experience joy you can't be angry and grateful at the same time so focusing on gratitude focusing on blessings taking care of your body getting hydrated you saw i drank an entire bottle Mm -hmm. of water throughout this journey i want to drink more water but i don't want to have to you know, let the universe have the rest of it. Well, right on, on uh, the last week's episode,
0: Daisy Joplin did drink from a moving stream.
1: She's still alive, I questioned <laughs> Okay, it, okay. Well, there is something called Life Straw now that yes. you can drink from any stream. I, I made the recommendation.
0: <laughs> I think I have
1: one on me. Yeah. Um, There's bacteria yeah. over here, so you gotta be careful. Yeah, you don't want Giardia.
0: Yeah. That's a nasty little bugger. Yeah, well, I did drink from a glacier though. There I felt comfortable.
1: That is amazing though. But yeah. that is as pure as pure can be. Yeah. So what's next for Joe Applebaum? So for me, I'm really focused on giving people a voice with artificial intelligence. We do a lot of AI training. We have an AI business development circle that we're running where we're training people three hours a month on how to use artificial intelligence for business development, marketing, and sales. I'm very focused on AI right now. Artificial intelligence is very hot. It's here to stay. Yep. If people learn how to leverage it, they can really make a big impact and not help achieve bubble. their goals. It's definitely not a bubble. It's been around for many decades, yep. but right now it's where it's having its moment and so learning to leverage it learning to use it in your marketing learning to learn learning to leverage it to be able to save time make money that's really the key my ai tool EVAI, ai evy it's spelled evy ai is great uh, linkedin ai assistant we're, we're going to keep building it we're going to keep adding new users and make a difference for people great. we're already in like 13 different countries and 24 different states and i plan on keeping to grow and making a difference for people get to your million yeah, that's how we're going to impact it. You know, LinkedIn is in 200 different countries around the world. So I didn't even know that the, that Finland, it was a little island in Finland. Somebody bought my program from <laughs> Finland, from a little island in Finland, and I had a conversation with them. And, you know. Did yeah. they
0: finish your program? <laughs> oh, dad jokes. Yeah. Dad jokes come out all how the time. How old are your kids? Uh, I have three daughters. So oh, wow. I have I've three been, daughters too, yeah. I've been blessed with. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> what are their ages? Twins that are nine that are completely opposite children. They just happen to be born on the same day. Wow. Uh, and a, uh, a five-year-old daughter. They were from two separate eggs. They were from com- two completely separate. In fact, without getting into too much detail, they were from two separate fallopian tubes. Oh, wow. That's yeah, amazing. that one's a miracle. I thought you were
1: saying that they're from two separate fathers. Well, <laughs> that is a joke that I have off air. Is, uh,
0: no, I, I usually <laughs> no tell- because you have two personalities. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, I- <laughs>
1: I usually, That's a twist for that one.
0: I usually tell people that they came from two separate mothers, and I uh, watch their face go, "Huh?" <laughs> Do you trust anyone that says that the kids are everything to them, their entire life, and they love the, the heck out of their kids? Because Do I, I ch- don't. I I find that to be delusional because there are moments where you know I question why I had children. It's at least once a day. Some people tantrum. become
1: blind to that. Okay. And they need to become blind to that because of the way that they were treated, and so they put up with a lot of stuff. There are lots of different parenting methods. You know, I trust that people are doing the best that they can with the information and the tools that they have. There's a book called One, Two, Three Magic. Highly recommend that book for you, for your five-year-old, and even for your older kids. It's a great book that teaches you discipline through words instead of through physical uh, aggression towards your kids, because kids can get frustrating because they challenge you. Six ha- Kids have six different ways that they try to manipulate you. And that book basically breaks down all the different ways they try to manipulate you, and it can be really frustrating when you're trying to enforce yeah some normalcy in your house and especially if they're smarter than you you know sometimes your kids have your dna and they're smarter than you they know how to get under your skin and they know what to say and they know how to do all the workarounds because they are you yes just one
0: of my children and i won't say which one but one of them every once in a while i turn to her and say you're good
1: (laughs) but i'm better (laughs) until you get to my age well Right? Age is not always something that creates wisdom. No, Sometimes but it creates routine and blind spots. But it can create intuition and, yeah, recona- yeah, and yeah. recognition. It can, I agree. Or recognition. I can't speak in the cold. I, that's what I'm learning. You can. You can stumble yes. a little and then learn from your stumbles. What's the worst podcast guest you've had on a hike? The worst. That's a good one. To be honest. <laughs> Don't mention their name. Stop no, it. No, <laughs> no, I would never mention the name.
0: I have not produced a single episode that has had the worst. Every episode has been great. And it's because when people come out on trails, they, they become open, they become human, they become vulnerable. You're worried about tripping and falling. You're worried about this. You're taking in the scenery, right? Yeah. You've already been qualified as a business achiever or a success-minded individual. Yeah. So you have a story to share.
1: hundred percent. Right? So I don't have the And you're no the worst. facilitator. Yes. What's the most challenging one? Do you ever get someone who's quiet the whole time and he's like a monk and you're asking questions and he's not responding? No.
0: <laughs> um, but I will say I did have a worst guest who also fit the I
1: had to really get them to open up uh-huh. and we will not be producing that episode <laughs> so it happened so yes how would you rate this episode on a scale of 1 to 10 so far you have because it can go down the, it can go down the rabbit hole now yeah you can <laughs> and I like that
0: you have extreme knowledge to share and a talent to tell a story I would say this will be up there with one of the more engaging and more exciting episodes. Aw, thank you for saying that. But I won't give you a rating because that would be disingenuous because I haven't heard the episode. Exactly,
1: we got to go back and listen to what we said because we don't know what we said because we're so present in the moment. That's right and I
0: will say though that I've enjoyed hiking next to you alongside you you and with you because I personally have learned you know what's interesting is I've been engaged with you for quite a few years. Yeah. Right, you are a face and you know with zoom you more of a face that i've seen <laughs> i've been in networking meetings with you've yeah. taught and, and and done your routine but the magic of today got us to meet 100%. and now we are connected yeah Right, and yeah. now there's a circumstance in the situation. This is a memorable moment. One hundred percent. So that's why
1: it's so important for you to be able to do what you love doing and the way that you're doing it. How many guests do you think you've had on this podcast, and how many more do you want? So I've had thirty-eight recorded.
0: Wow. We have, yeah, we have crushed the milestone of the first twenty in podcast. Wow. Uh, usually the podcast first twenty is hard. yeah. after twenty. Yeah. Um, my my goal is to get to one
1: hundred guests. Wow. Um, and who's your ideal guest? An uh, Achiever that lives in Jersey?
0: <laughs> no, no, it's, I have car, will travel. Uh, in fact, we have a few scheduled in May in North Carolina. Oh, wow. I've been invited to come out to uh, Silicon Valley. Wow. Good hiking out in the uh, San Francisco area. Well, I
1: know someone who just became an EOS coach. He sold his business, he had a very nice exit. His Inc, he was on the Inc. 500 five years in a row. He's a client. Very nice guy and he lives in Wayne. Oh, perfect. So, I'll introduce him. We love you introductions. Yeah.
0: But no, I'd like to get to 100 because I do have a goal to write a book. And the book will be something along the lines of, I hiked with 100 of the world's best Amazing. business achievers, and Amazing. this is what I've learned. So Joe Applebaum, we have completed our hike Pyramid Mountain, Taylor Town, Sparta, New Jersey. <laughs> so I thank you this very much. This is my much. first
1: hike in New Jersey. Thank this you so is great. much.
0: Thank you. This is the first hug.
1: The first the hug, the first event. First, first hug.
0: I love it. So first thank hug So thank you so much, hug. this was an awesome episode. Yeah. I appreciate it. Hopefully I had a we really learned. good time. That is great. Well, thank yeah. you guys. It was great, and that will be a wrap. Next time, when I took a hike, we take in the sounds of a brisk morning trek with a trailblazing entrepreneur and the owner of a precious metals recycling company, Jeremy Royzen.